our agreement between my, myself and the ET was that um, at 9.30, if you can do something, you know, that would be great at like 9.30 p.m. So what happened is then the ship appeared and um, it kept blinking off and on and kind of circling us and then finally it, it went away. So I'm like, wow, I guess I wasn't <laughs> really imagining this whole thing. So that that was kind of my formal launch into the whole C-SETI experience, C5 experience. Known as the photographer who took the well-known photo of Bijou in Joshua Tree, Raven Nabulsi was one of the CE5 ambassadors featured in Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, a film about humans initiating contact with extraterrestrial beings through some simple protocols that anyone can do. Raven has been on dozens of CE5 training expeditions with C-SETI, and she has a unique perspective as someone who has seen how ET contact has evolved over the years. And having taken some amazing photos, she also shares about her experiences with photography in this context. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Okay, well, thank you, Raven, for joining me today. And um, I'm really excited to have you here. It's been a while since we've seen each other. I remember we we met um, at an expedition about, uh, it was about 10 years ago, actually. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so just to get started, I would like to have you share, um, just a bit of your background and, um, maybe how you, um, maybe like where your interest in ET contact first, um, appeared in your life. Sure. Um, well, I, as a child, um, I had some kind of amazing experiences, um, probably starting around the age of seven. Um, one night I literally, my mom woke me up and there was an orange disc floating right above our backyard. And we, we lived in a fairly, it was a populated area. So it was kind of amazing, but I, I ran and hid under my covers because <laughs> it was kind of, you know, what, who knows what to expect, but it was pretty amazing. And then, um, it kind of, that was kind of a starting point. And then it just went from there. Like I'd say, Almost every year I'd have some kind of experience where I'd see a disc like fairly close, um, you know, close proximity. And um, then, you know, I kind of forgot about it. And around 1998, um, some friends of mine were going to see Dr. Greer speak at a local MUFON event. And it happened to be in Costa Mesa, California, where I was living at the time. So they invited me and they said, you've got to listen to this guy. He's, he's really on to something. So I had kind of shied away from a lot of the UFO and ET research out there. It just didn't, it seemed kind of negative, some of it, and it, it didn't really resonate with what I personally believed and had experienced. So um, I, you know, went in with an open mind, but I, after I heard him speak, I thought, wow, you know, this is kind of more in alignment of what I thought ET contact was. <laughs> so I, I really appreciated it. And then one of the people that invited me um, didn't tell me, but she signed us both up for like his next expedition. <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of a surprise. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but um, we went to Sedona, Arizona, and um, it, it was an amazing week. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I thought there's going to be all these strange people and I was going to kill her for doing that. But once I was there, it was really an amazing experience. And 
And actually, one of the amazing things that happened when I was a child, I I kind of had this familiarity with this ET that visited me one day in my bedroom. And it, he only appeared as a, as a blue light, so I never really saw his physical form. But he kind of would show up in different points in time, maybe when I needed help or something. So um, anyway, on that, the last night of that Sedona trip, um, I kind of went into a really deep meditation and I could physically feel that I was in two places at once, one in the, you know, the chair in the field. And secondly, I was on board this craft and I saw this ET, which I realized was this being that had been visiting me for many years. And um, he showed me like, it looked like a, a giant dashboard with nothing on it, except a little hand plate that only had space for four fingers. And he said, you you just put your hand in that plate and decide where you want to go. And, and that's how we propel the ship. So um, that's, that's what I did. And I basically could see all these, it was just like light out in space. It wasn't really like what you see, like black <laughs> blackness. It, it looked like just beautiful light. And so finally I said, well, you know, I really do need to get back to my chair. So I said, you know, if there's anything you can do to just verify, you know, that you're here, that would be great. So I, I clearly then felt myself being conscious back in my chair. And so once we all came out of meditation, I explained what happened. And Dr. Greer said, actually, they recovered plates like that when they recovered some down spacecraft. So he thought it was, you know, a pretty real experience. And then um, uh, our agreement between my, myself and the ET was that um, at 9.30, if you can do something, you know, that would be great at like 9.30 p.m. So what happened is then the ship appeared and um, it kept blinking off and on and kind of circling us. And then finally it, it went away. So I'm like, wow, I guess I wasn't <laughs> really imagining this whole thing. So that, that was kind of my formal launch into the whole C-SETI experience, C5 experience. And then after that, I just tried to go on as many as possible. So, I mean, Probably, I, I've kind of lost count, but I'm sure it's at least 40 expeditions maybe I've been on. So it's it's been a few. <laughs> yeah, and um, some of your experiences are recounted in the book um, that was published in, I think it was 2009, um, uh, Contact Countdown to Transformation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's Re just been... I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, just reading that for me, reading that book was what like really turned me on to this um, mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, so yeah, there's just so much in there. That's like mind boggling. <laughs> I know it's, you know, some of the um, contact is very subtle, you know, um, I didn't know what to expect the first time, you know, being with a group of people. I only knew from my personal experience what I've um, experienced, but you know you have to pay attention because sometimes it's very subtle and fast. Um, you know, but things are happening around you. If you know, and part of doing the meditation helps to increase your 
conscious awareness. So you do sort of have that extra vision to see, you know, what's going on around you. And um, I mean, just so many things have happened just besides just like lights in the sky or seeing an actual craft. Um, I mean, we've had ETs on the ground where, you know, you they poke you on the shoulder or you can hear them walking around, um, you know, or just you know, they use the electronics that we have um, to detect things to help communicate with us. So. <laughs> yeah. And with the electronics, um, you were telling me earlier that um, that you were kind of there when they first started interacting with the electronics more um, on a, like a communicative level. Yeah. I mean, for many years, we would usually have like um, some kind of radar detector with us. Um, and we did have some magnetometers and maybe once in a while something would beep, um, you know, and we'd, we'd see a, a ship or we'd, something would happen. But um, I think it was around 2009 or 10, somewhere between nine and 10, there something happened where suddenly that level of contact just ex, um, expedited, I guess. And it's like the ETs were using it as to talk you know, a way to talk to us. So if, um, you know, we'd ask a question or Dr. Greer would be talking about something as a confirmation that um, magnetometer would beep like once sometimes it would even laugh. Like if everybody was laughing, it, it might, you know, go beep, beep, beep. <laughs> so it was just kind of funny. And the other odd thing was um, some of the signals actually coming from the magnetometer are, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, not the magnetometer, but the radar detector, which rarely ever went off, um, started doing this whole sequence of uh, strange like patterns. And, you know, we contacted the manufacturer and said, does it do normally do these, um, you know, sound patterns? And they said, no, I mean, we've never even heard of that. So it was definitely, um, you know, something outside of the machine itself was, was creating this that's normally it doesn't occur. So it's, it's just kind of, you know, gone from there. Um, it seems like every so often there's sort of a, a jump in, it's sort of like, I guess um, it's evolving the contact because even though we're, we're trying to communicate with them, they're trying to communicate with us. So, I think maybe we reach a point where we are sort of collectively at this, you know, a certain level, and then it, it kind of moves to the, the next level of communication. So that's kind of how I see it. So, um, yeah. When, when did that, uh, did, did you, um, were you there for the uh, Orion transmissions? Yes. Yeah. That, that was amazing because, um, we were basically ending our evening out in the field, um, which was probably somewhere around one in the morning. And we started seeing all these, um, we call them flash bulbs, like these flashes of light coming out of the Orion constellation. And I remember um, Dr. Greer had some kind of a crystal he was holding up and he, he kind of turned it a certain way. And then this is what started this sequence of uh, sounds coming out of the radar detector and then the magnetometers were going off. So it just, it went on and on and on, like for probably 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, what it, it felt like, you know, it, 
some kind of download of information. Like uh, it's hard to explain exactly what happened, but just, you know, some sort of information was transferred and, you know, it's, it's in there somewhere subconsciously. I don't know exactly what the message was, um, but it, it definitely felt like they were downloading something into all of us that were there. So it's, you know, since that point in time, there there seems to be a lot of activity around that particular constellation in that area. Maybe it's some kind of a portal or something. So um, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it's happened in other um, situations as well, but for some reason that whole thing with Orion seems to be like a hot spot. Yeah, it seems like... Um yeah, that kind of, the, the whole um, event was recounted in the book as well. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I've been in groups um, since then uh, where we're, we experience a similar kind of thing where the um, where our d- the devices are going on kind of like at a steady level and there's kind of, um, it feels like there's this kind of stream, there's like something going on where we're kind of radio transmitters like... Um, Right. Receiving information or like transmuting it in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing too, there's something really magical about Joshua Tree. And um, Mm. that's actually where we were during uh, in Joshua Joshua Tree, California, where the Orion transmissions um, started. We got some messages that there's something about the Joshua Trees themselves that are some kind of star... They're like transmitters. They have all these little needles on them and they, they collect information. So maybe there is something special about that place as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, so yeah. Um, as a special place, it was also where you, um, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. If you were gonna say no, something. no, <laughs> I was going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is where um, you took a really special photograph, right? Right. Um, that happened in 2009 and, mm-hmm. um, it was, um, in November and we had the whole day started off, you know, with things happening starting in the morning. Um, we were sharing a house about five or six of us and some people were still asleep. So we were, um, a few of the ladies and myself were just talking quietly amongst ourselves. And then we heard like, some other little voices chiming in on our conversation <laughs> that were not human. And um, so, you know, we were like, did you hear that? Who is that? <laughs> so we, something was going on and then it just kept building throughout the day. And um, that evening when we got in the car to go out in the field, the um, the lights on the truck went on and off by themselves. Um, it just, and it went <laughs> like, you know, everything shut down like an alternator or something. And then it came back on. Hmm. Um, and then we went out to the field and um, we did our meditation and we saw, a, you know, some lights and we could hear voices. There were clearly voices beyond our own that were out there that were not human voices. So um, we had been meditating and doing our thing for a while. So Dr. Greer said, let's get up and, you know, go out to where we heard these sounds. So we got up and um, the break was coming to an end. So I went back to my seat 
And we had about, um, I'd say about 40 people that were set up with chairs, but only myself and another person had come back to the circle. And part of my experience, what I do is um, I like to take pictures. So I sort of just close my eyes and just point my camera random in random directions to see what comes up. And so I wasn't really paying attention and there was, it was like pitch black out there, like no, nobody had lights on um, or anything like that. And I had no flash on. And when I put the pictures, downloaded them later, I saw this little being floating above one of the chairs. And um, so I showed Dr. Greer and of course it was, you know, he got really excited. And we had actually seen some orbs as well in the area where we heard the voices. So it kind of looks like there was an orb shining a light onto this being, which we named Bijou. That was kind of the name that was given to him that we heard was his name. Um, so, you know, it caused a lot of controversy. So I wanted to make sure, you know, I, I like to check myself, make sure like, okay, nobody was there. Nobody was flashing a light on or uh, there wasn't a tree. So I went back during the day and took a bunch of photos and there was absolutely like nothing behind that chair. It was just open space, just open desert space. And we even tried some experiments, like if somebody did have a flashlight, what it would look like. And it, it's not even the same. I mean, it, it was clearly something an anomalous. So you know, he's kind of shown up on some other expeditions as well. Um, just energetically, he's there. And um, so it's, I haven't talked to him recently, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, you know, his presence comes and goes, I'd say. And well, yeah, now since the movie um, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, a lot of people can see that image and, um, and kind of relive that experience through your telling and, and some of the people that were there. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. It was kind of shocking. And um, since then, I mean, I know there's been some other amazing photos. Um, there was a gentleman named Ed Moan, I think it, that had the ET helping him with his hearing and mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're obviously there. <laughs> it's just, you know, that lucky moment that you get to, you know, by chance, take a picture or something to kind of prove your point. It's, it's, you know, I'm really grateful for that. Mm. So with photography and CE5, you have some experience with that. Um, I know one thing that is good to do is to always keep the flash off when you're taking mm -hmm. photo photographs at night. Um, and reasons for that are so that you don't like blind everybody with a big flash of light. Um, another one is that flashes that when you shine a light like that, it can actually create artifacts that um, in the photographs that you think like, Oh, maybe that's something, but it's actually, it's just a speck of dust or, uh, exactly. or moisture or a moth or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any other tips for how to like kind of maybe um, I guess, take photographs in that kind of mindful state? Um, I mean, what I, what I do personally is just, um, you know, just sort of close my eyes and um, just sort of allow myself to freely move, like my hands to move to wherever and point in a certain direction. I'm, I'm really not even looking. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sort of letting it be this free form, sort of a moving meditation to, to 
see what happens. And, um, you know, I, in that particular photograph, I had kind of an older, it was like a, I think it's a six megapixel camera, mm. but um, it has uh, that particular, um, it was like a Fuji camera. It had a very sensitive, um, the light sensor inside, I guess, was very sensitive. So I think that's the only reason why maybe I was able to pick that up because otherwise it's, you know, not a great camera. <laughs> but, um, you know, using that that's principle, I just um, sort of randomly just shoot in different directions. And, and then I go back and check and see. And I'm almost every time I've done that, I've something's happened. Like I've seen there's something that's shown up in my photography. Mm. Um, there was another instance in broad daylight. Um, we were in the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I was trying to use the CE5 techniques to call some dolphins because everyone was seeing dolphins right there on, on the coast and I wasn't seeing anything. So, so I try to call them, you know, using the CE5 techniques and I opened my eyes and there were like 10 dolphins, not that far from where I was standing. Um, I was on, you know, on the beach. And so I, but I was kind of already in that sort of zone, we'll say, so I just started shooting my camera, you know, pointing in different directions of the sky and actually got a, a picture of a, it was a fully materialized silver disc right over the ocean. Mm. And I, I took two um, shots and, you know, like click, click. And the second one, the, it was like a little pinpoint. It had already moved so fast in, you know, quite a distance in that short period of time. So um it's happened in England and a couple other places. So it's, you know, it's something I, maybe the sort of you entrain your, the technology to work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of how I see it. So just like the ETs are using the um, magnetometers, I think I can use my camera to do the same thing, to communicate something. And I know some other people, um, like bring out a camera and they just keep it on a tripod and kind of have mm-hmm. it on an automatic um, shutter where it'll go and it either pointed at the sky or pointed at the group or something like mm-hmm. that. And there's also um, some amazing stuff that comes out of those photographs as well. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a really good way to do it too, because, you know, sometimes for meditating or, you know, you're not always looking, you can't obviously look in all directions, but that way you get a, a full view of the sky because there's, there's so much going on. Yeah. Do you have any other um, really standout experiences um, that you want to talk um, about? You know, I, I think another time um, again in Joshua tree, it, we were in our circle and a ship flew over us. I mean, it, I almost could feel the whoosh of the air overhead and it made this very strange um, sound that it, it was some combination of like, you know, those sprinklers that you put on automatic that go, <laughs> they go around yeah. with this, with this sound. Like it was, it was like a very strange combination of noises, but this ship passed like right overhead. And what uh, pre- preceded it was um, this, bird came out of nowhere 
Um, it looked like a huge hawk or something. And again, it was just slightly after twilight. I mean, it, there's still a tiny bit of light. So you could see the, like the bird moving around and it, it made a circle. It flew right around us like in a circle and, and disappeared. And then it's just like shortly after this ship came over, we couldn't necessarily see it, but the sound was like, I mean, it was very undeniable that there was something flying over over us at a very low altitude. And then of course, like there was, you know, so much um, phenomenon that happened after that. In fact, we actually had a couple F, um, F-16s, like, uh, fighter jets fly over right after. So they must have um, picked up something on their end that made them fly like right over our group. Mm. So, um, and it's weird because, I mean, it's a national park and you're out in the middle of nowhere. So to have like military jets fly over, it, it's, you know, it's very interesting. And it's it's happened quite a few occasions when we've had some kind of intense contact um, going on, or we've, you know, had a lot of visible um, flyovers of ships, like we, we will see often like military jets being dispatched to our area. Yeah. So these, um, I mean, I guess the idea around that is that there's these unacknowledged special access projects that are, have access to um, um, tools that, that can detect um, when these craft might be nearby or appearing. So they'll respond. Yes, exactly. And I, I think, um, you know, if they, they're taking a big risk, meaning the ETs to, you know, come all the way here into our airspace, you know, and um, which isn't very friendly at the moment. So, you know, to even just come, you know, even if they were sort of cloaking themselves and then physically manifesting for those, you know, couple of minutes, they're easily picked up on radar. So they're taking a huge risk to, um, you know, come here and try to make contact with us. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little scary sometimes when you actually see some military response, because, you know, obviously you don't want anything to happen, but mm -hmm. sometimes I think it's more a show of force, but, um, but still, I mean, it's, it's happened quite a few times and I mean, in Mount Shasta and, you know, in the desert in Joshua tree, I mean, we've, we've had it happen on multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I went to Mount Shasta, um, on an expedition, there was, um, at some point, this is kind of also before it was completely dark. So you could actually see the thing. It was a, it was a, a big helicopter, um, mm -hmm. that flew like actually quite close to where we were. Um, but yeah, it just, um, right through, it's like, what are they doing there? <laughs> like right. up, at, up at Mount Shasta, like so close to the ground actually, cause they weren't that high up, you know? Um, but it mm -hmm. was quite loud, like super loud. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's something going on there too, because, mm -hmm. you know, I've been on a, a few, um, trips to that location and I mean, we've actually had, people in the forest, like around us, we, um, you know, a, a couple of our, the guys in our group had night vision goggles and they could see like, they're looking at us, we're looking at them mm -hmm. <laughs> like in their, you know, they were in the woods, like spying on us. So, mm -hmm. you know, in, in full, like, um, you know, camouflage and the whole thing. So it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, strange, but we just carry on and, 
you know, that's another thing that I've, I've happened quite a few times. We've been in different locations and there's like somebody will come out of nowhere. Like we don't even know like how they find us, where they come from. And we'll suddenly start, um, you know, pretending like they're drunk or maybe they are drunk and they're like screaming and carrying on. And it, it's just odd, you know, like how it's, it seems kind of coincidental. It's happened so many times, you know, that it's not just random things, you know, people just showing up. I mean, it seems very purposeful to be disruptive mm-hmm. in what we're doing, but you have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, just so that like, these stories don't like scare scare anybody off from actually trying to do this. Um, I think a lot of that is like, there's always monitoring happening around Dr. Greer. Um, yes. So um, that's one thing, but also like if, I mean, there's no way if, if there are like thousands and thousands of people doing this around the world, there's no way that everything's going to be interrupted. And um, it's impossible, you know, that, and, and you're right. I didn't mean to <laughs> go off on a tangent there, but, oh, no, it's... Um, but, you know, the reality is a lot of that is, is related to him um, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the monitoring, cause he's, you know, he's doing things that are bypassing, you know, their whole system, which is great. But um, as far as we're concerned, I mean, they, they don't have thousands of people to, to monitor everybody. And people all over the planet now are, are making peaceful contact. And it's, it's really an amazing um, phenomenon, actually. So, you know, the more people that can get together and do that, I, I've gone out in, in smaller groups, um, and I'm, I'm sure you have too. And there's, you know, it, many things have happened just in, you know, a small group of like four to six people. And, uh, you know, nobody, there's no military people or anybody coming. So it's, it's nothing to worry about, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So that's for sure. I mean, I I think the more people that can get on board to do this, um, you know, we we really will make a difference. You know, that 1% that he talks about, um, as far as, you know, making a, a huge conscious shift in the world, um, I, I really think we're getting closer by doing what we're doing. So, yeah, I think there's almost like a kind of a, a serendipity or like a kind of, it feels like there's kind of a blessing or like a, some kind of protection on anybody who does want to do this, that there's, um, it's like now's the time and, um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's incredibly powerful. I think, um, do do you have any other, um, tips or insights for anybody who's just getting interested in this or kind of just heard about it? Um, you know what, I, I think it's, it's good to, um, you know, if, if they're around people that, or they can download the app because it, it is very self-explanatory. Um, there's a CE5 app or, even just to like watch the movie and, you know, see what people are doing and get together with some friends. I mean, you, you know, really like if you want to simplify everything, I, I kind of imagine what we're doing sort of like um, if people are familiar with Google earth, where you sort of zoom in and zoom out from where you're at. Um, that's kind of what you're doing in your mind in a way. So you, you see your starting point where you're at and then just, put your uh, consciousness further and further out from that place. So 
and imagine yourself looking down on yourself from, from above. And that's kind of the image you project out into space. Um, and invariably things start happening. You know, it's, um, you're really fundamentally expanding your consciousness, no matter, you know, what you're doing, even if you're not contacting ETs, you're, you're kind of expanding your own consciousness. Um, so it's, it's, it's not just confined in, in your body anymore. You realize like it's so much more. It's, there's so much more out there beyond you. It, you. You become really infinite when you're in that state of mind. And it's, I mean, just from that aspect alone, even if you're not seeing anything else, I mean, you're, you're sort of furthering your own, you know, conscious awareness or your own spiritual studies, however you want to see it. But there are benefits to that, and part of it is the ability to to make be able to make that that contact. Mm-hmm. Um, it also creates more awareness of everything else in your life as well. It's not it's just not confined to that. Mm-hmm. So I think you know it's hard to meditate. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of bad at it. <laughs> it's you know I do my meditation sometimes through walking, um, you know, or in a forest. I mean, that kind of clears my mind and, and helps me not have a lot of thoughts. You know, meditating sometimes seems like a little intimidating for people because it seems like you have to just sit for long periods of time and not move. But really, it's just quieting your mind. I mean, real meditation is just sort of not having thoughts anymore. It's it's just sort of this blank open canvas. And then it's easier for things to, to manifest after that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, however a person feels it's easiest for them to do that, um, you know, whatever technique works to just kind of quiet their mind and then practice the protocols, um, you know, take a few friends and go somewhere quiet and do it. It's, you know, even if you can't go outside, just even at, at home, you can have experiences in in a room. You know, we've had experiences um when we were at that um, conference in 2011, I mean, in a room with a bunch of people, we didn't have to be outside. In a hotel so, building. <laughs> yeah. With, I mean, yeah, in the middle of a, a busy city. So, hmm. you know, that, that's the beauty of um, doing the work because it's, you can be anywhere really. Yeah. There's really, I think a lot of people get hung up on like, Oh, I need to like, go to an official training or something like that. Or like we need Dr. Greer because he's the one that started all of this, but it's like really like he's trying to make this as decentralized as possible trying. And, you know, that's what I'm doing as well. I'm trying to teach as many people as I can um, mm-hmm. through this podcast um, and try and reach people so that it's like, you can actually do this. There, all the resources are available, like to teach yourself. Um, Absolutely. Using the stuff I put out in uh, the, the books and stuff that Dr. Greer's put out in the films and the, all the, the talks and there's just so many resources. The app itself is, is just, I mean, is amazing. You could just get this little app and then have um, some experiences that there's no way you can, you know, there's no way you'll be able to explain to yourself what you're experiencing <laughs> as being like a figment of your imagination. It, Cause the, I mean, if you ask for confirmation, they'll, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll try to give it to you. Um, Absolutely. Whether it's something physically manifesting or, or some kind of interaction with an electronic device that wouldn't like, 
the one thing I recommend is people keep their phones off or, you know, and try and be away from other electronics that might set off um, a detector or that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, when, once you, it's like when you know, if you go out like and you're with someone you trust or you're just out on your own and you have a device that can receive or, you know, that can like make noise, like, um, it, and you, you know that you don't have any electronics that are around you to set it off. Like that's huge. It's like, <laughs> like, absolutely. The, yeah. What's an interesting thing too, is, um, you know, most of these expeditions have at least 25 it, previously there, the groups used to be much bigger, um, like sometimes up to 50 people and, you know, it's harder for 50 people to kind of sync up <laughs> and be coherent together. Um, but if you're, you know, with a couple of friends or, you know, somebody, you know, people that you care about in a small group, you're, you're actually, your, your experiences will be much more intimate and amazing because you're more in sync because you already know each other. So I think that's kind of, um, an important factor too. It's, it's actually harder to go out in a huge group and, you know, be with Dr. Greer and everybody else. Cause he's, trying to teach everyone and get everyone quieted down. But if you just go out with your friends or a few people, it's, it's actually quite amazing. I mean, and if you have the opportunity to do it on a kind of a regular basis, I think that um, amplifies, you know, the experiences that you're, you're going to have, like it'll, it'll start building. It's hard to explain, but they almost kind of build on top of each other in a, in a certain way, especially when you do it kind of, frequently. So, um, it's, it's something that must be, you just must do it. (laughs) It must be done. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I highly recommend it. And even if you don't think you're experiencing anything or you think it's your imagination, you know, do little things to kind of check yourself, like, um, you know, try to check all the facts. Sometimes we, you know, Imagination is one part of it to begin with, especially when you aren't sure of, you know, if you're really experiencing something, but then ask the ETs to kind of confirm something for you. Um, I I remember I I wasn't at this particular event, but there was a person there who kind of felt like he was being left out and he wasn't experiencing anything. So he sort of put it out there. Well, you know, if, if you can just confirm with me ETs, will you, can you just, you know, block out the stars and the big dipper? And it actually happened. Like everyone saw it, (laughs) not just him. Like everyone saw, you know, each of the points of starlight go out and one, you know, in a sequence. So it, he was like, okay, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) It's really happening. So you know, ask them to do things. Or if, if you see a light, um, you know, we've seen things that look maybe like a satellite and then we'll ask it, you know, if, if try to connect with it and sometimes it stops and then like reverses direction. So, you know, there's little things you can do to ask to see if they can help you with in your experience. Mm-hmm. Cause I, one thing to think about also is that, you know, they're kind of learning on their end too with humans, you know, how to make this all work. It's not like they've got it all figured out. And, you know, I, I think this is sort of a co-creative experience. So um, 
you know, that's just something to keep in mind. That's awesome. Thank you so much for all of um, your insight and your perspective and, um, and for being willing to share it with everybody. Well, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> and um, I hope, you know, whatever, if anybody, you know, wants to, to do this, they should just go out and do it and have the experience. I think it's very important. Thanks for being here. I'm Andre Cardoso, the host of the show, and I've had these most recent episodes in waiting for some time now, so I'm so happy to finally get them out to you. I wanted to remind you that in June 2023, you should check out Dr. Stephen Greer's Historic Disclosure Conference, a new National Press Club event happening in Washington, D.C., and streaming online. That weekend will include the premiere of the new documentary film, The Lost Century, all about breakthrough zero-point energy technologies, their suppression, and their potential. That's happening from the 10th through the 12th of June, and more information is available at the links in the show notes. And for even more episodes and resources to help you along your own CE5 journey, check out those links in the show notes and head to ce5podcast.com. Thank you again, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace and love.